Well, hello and welcome to the Rooted Together podcast, the podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. The point of this podcast is to anchor you in God's word, to give you a summary and some thoughts and some applications to each chapter of the Bible. Today we're in Mark chapter 13 with an episode simply entitled, Be Ready. The End Times. Man, that just invokes so many thoughts for me because I grew up uh, with a little bit of a guy named John Hagee, and he's very big in this big, scary word we often call eschatology. Don't be afraid of the word. It simply just means the study of the end times, and the eschaton, of course, being the the end times, the last days. Uh, And that invokes feelings in us, right? It might invoke fear if you grew up in a in an, in an environment that was always looking for the signs. And sometimes that can create a, a fear of, of when you watch the news going, where does that fit in scripture? And, and so that's how I grew up. That's the kind of household, at least with my grandparents, that, uh, that I grew up in. And so when I come to these kind of chapters, I, I admittedly bring a lot of baggage into that discussion. And I've preached a few sermons, uh, not from Mark 13, but from Luke 20, which is basically the same speech just given in Luke. And the sermon that I gave on this was was titled, Be Ready, uh, because that's really Jesus' message here. So regardless of what baggage you bring into this chapter, what I would ask you to do, what I have to do is I have to check my baggage at the door and walk into the room of Scripture and and really empty myself, empty my thoughts, empty all those preconceived ideas and those past experiences, which I do know shape us. But we do that in the hopes that when we read Scripture, we don't miss Jesus' true message. And that's what often will happen. We, we come into Scripture with our baggage, with our experiences that we've had, and it flavors our view. And of course, you can't help that to some degree, but if we're not careful, we will miss the true meaning of Scripture. And here, if you want a two-word main idea of Mark chapter 13, the, the sermon about the end times, it is, be ready. Be ready now. You see, times of trouble, perhaps even great trouble, are here and they're near. That's a certainty. You're not going to get around this. But Jesus in this chapter gives us bigger promises, bigger promises than the big trouble and big trials that we will face. Our God is bigger. I know that sounds cheesy, like a 1990s contemporary Christian music song, but it's very true that Jesus delivers bigger promises than the fears of this world in this chapter. There is this continued promise of his presence during the trials that we will face, Jesus doesn't hold any punches here. He tells his disciples it's going to be bad. But really the signs he gives, they experienced and we still experience today. So that he gives a very vague description of what to look for. Why? Because he's, his main idea is this, be ready. And his main idea is as you're going through these trials, which you will go through, and they certainly did, and we certainly do, he said, I will be with you. My presence will be with you. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. We don't go through certain hardships with uncertainty. We go through it with great certainty. 
So you could say we go through certain hardships with a certainty that can't be shaken. He went before us. That's Jesus. He went before us and is with us as we walk through the fires. And he is saving us. So as you read this chapter, reflect on those truths. Perhaps the biggest promise that Jesus gives us in this chapter is that he is coming back in glory and in power, judging this world. That's a big promise. Jesus isn't saying, I'm out of here, peace out, see you never. He says, I'm coming back. And when I do, it will not be as a a, a baby. It will be as a conquering king, as a king who will judge this world with glory and power. And all of the signs that we are given in this chapter are simply to hasten our attention to Jesus, to look for and anticipate his return. No, it will not give us the date or even the error. Not not error like wrong, but error. I meant error. It will not give us the era that he will come in because, by the way, every generation says this is the, this is the generation and then they die. And then the next generation says, this is the generation. It's not that kind of anticipation of his return, but it's a longing to see our Savior. The disciples went about their trials longing for Jesus' return. We go about our trials longing for his return. Will it happen in our generation? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Jesus' words are, be ready now through how you live your life, anticipate, look for, pay attention to me. Don't live for this world. Jesus is telling us live for him. So what do we do as we are looking for and anticipating Jesus' return? Well, what Jesus says, be on your guard and be awake. What does that mean? Drink lots of coffee. No, it means being spiritually alert to the things around you and to the fact that this world is fading, it's fleeting. So the question for us from this chapter is this, are we actively looking for Jesus or are we walking through this life in a stupor, distracted by the pleasures of this world? Where is your heart's attention today? Is it on Jesus? Is it anticipating his return? Or is it just focused on the pleasure and comfort? Those aren't bad things, by the way. But if our heart is drunk on them, we don't, and we're not looking for our Savior. So, one of the highlights that I had as I read this chapter, I didn't pick a single verse exactly, but a, but a theme. And then toward the end of the chapter and woven throughout the chapter, and especially at the end, we get this theme of be on your guard. That's, a, that's woven throughout the chapter. And then we get be awake. These phrases are used seven times throughout this chapter. And we can interpret them as being focused on God and not distracted by life. Be on your guard and be awake. Let's explain that a little bit more. Let's explain that interpretation. These phrases are used specifically after talking about the trials to come and the false messiahs that will rise up. The disciples needed to be aware that they have an active enemy trying to lead them astray. 
Therefore, they needed to be on active guard in looking for these things. They needed to know their Jesus well, so well that they could spot the counterfeit from a distance. Be awake. What does that mean? They were not to walk around through life in a stupor, only seeking good times and material possessions. Instead, they were to see this world through the eyes of someone searching for Jesus' return, anticipating that return as a certainty. In the meantime, what are they to do? They are to be busy doing what Jesus had called them to do. Awake, active, and on guard. So what are some applications that I might draw for my life from this chapter, from that, applica- from that explanation and highlight? One, let me know my Jesus so well that I can spot the fakes from far off. And I'll do this through prayer time with him today. No, I made that very specific. How am I going to do that right now today? I'll do it through prayer and I'll do it through reading his word today. Not maybe tomorrow or if I have time, but I will make time to do those things. Because believe it or not, even within the church, there are fake Jesuses. There are whole churches that worship fake Jesuses. It's not, I know it's weird to put in plural on Jesus. It's not, it, it's not easy to spot as you might think. I mean, you may find yourself for a time pursuing a false messiah. I know for me in my life, uh, this idea of the transactional gospel, this idea of if I am faithful to God, he will be faithful to do the things that I want him to do. And I moved across the world and uh, back to America, giving up a job in ministry in another country and, and to go to seminary. And I thought, I oh, mean, I gave up all these things and I, I was faithful and, and it was a great sacrifice for me and my young family. And, and I was thinking, God will reward me with, with a steady, sturdy job and all the, these things. And that didn't happen. I wound up cleaning toilets for about a whole year for $10 an hour and barely paying the bills. And I remember just breaking down and thinking, What's going on here? And God just opened my heart to reveal you've been following a fake Jesus, a Jesus that if you scratch his back, he'll scratch yours. That's not the Jesus of Scripture. So I will know my Jesus so well I can spot the fakes. I can spot the counterfeits, not just from someone's teaching. That's important, but also in your life and in your worship and in my worship of Jesus. Number two, let me be aware of the spiritual battles around me. You're not walking through a flowery field. You're walking through an active war zone. I will actively pray for deliverance for those battles and in those battles. Number three, let me look to the signs that Jesus gave with expectant hope for his return. So when I see the brokenness of this world, it should draw my heart's attention to a longing for his return in his presence. So now we end with our response. Father, you are my rock through life's stormy gales. I will cling to you as the winds around me rage, but it is not me holding on, but you who are holding on to me, Jesus. Thank you. Your promise to be with me through life's trials. Holy Spirit, be my strength to be awake and be on guard. 
Guide my steps, words, and thoughts to be on you. Let me not wonder at worldly things, but instead to wonder at the everlasting glory you possess. Amen. I'd like to thank you for listening to Rooted Together, and I look forward to seeing you in chapter 14 next time. I'll see you there.